Good morning, everyone. Friends, uh, our sacred scriptures for this 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time all have a couple themes, and one of the themes is rejection of God's prophets, but ultimately it is rejection of God himself and his ways and his words that's happening. But also we would see another theme of God's faithfulness in sending prophets no matter what, and in our times, raising up saints, mighty in his word, uh, walking in integrity and holiness. And uh, that is another theme that we see from the scriptures. But uh, as it is in the first reading, God sends Ezekiel to the people so that they will not remain in ignorance of their disobedience and their lack of trust in God. Ezekiel is not well received, to put it nicely. We see in our second reading, Paul, St. Paul, is also dealing with hardships and challenges because he speaks the word of the Lord Jesus Christ and teaches how to walk in love and charity and faith and holiness. And he too suffers many things, we are told, uh, not only because he speaks and acts uh, with great charity and heart and about the Lord Jesus Christ, but he has other things going on. Uh, he's a Jew. He's a a Roman citizen. He's a, a Pharisee, so people hate him and like him and are indifferent to him. Uh, so he's taking abuse of all sorts. And uh, in this, we, we are told by him and in him, or that the Lord is punishing him for some reason. He speaks of the Lord's grace, and that grace does not remove the challenges, but uh, sustains him in the midst of these trials. So my friends, looking at this, uh, in this, Christians of today should not grow discouraged or even worse, be in despair when they are encountered with challenges and trials of all kinds, and particularly uh, when we are surrounded by people who do not believe. In the gospel, Jesus, we are told, comes home. He goes home. And he is confronted with closed minds and hardness of heart. And this comes from the very kinfolk, people who he grew up with, who know him best and ought to be the ones who are most proud of him. I mean, who wants, who, who wants to go home and find people who hate you? He should go home and find peace and love and a warm welcome from the very people he grew up with. And my friends, the people there should be proud of him. His name is known throughout of all of Israel now because of the goodness of his heart, the charity, the healings, peace. And even beyond that, because we're told the Gentiles are now heeding his words. So in consequence, his name has brought honor to that little town of Nazareth. He is known as Jesus of Nazareth, or Jesus the Nazarene, or in some places, the Nazarene. He has brought great honor and dignity to this little He is confronted with hostility, and the people there react incredulously towards him. They question the source of his wisdom. They question the source of his works. 
His works of love and charity and healing. They surmise incorrectly that the source cannot be his family, because we're told we're, they're asked, is he not the son of that carpenter, as if carpentry is a bad thing? Is not that his mother? I mean, you can almost imagine, that's his mom, right? That woman over there cleaning the street, sweeping her porch. Are not his family members amongst us, and we've seen them. They may be concluding what the scribes earlier had said about Jesus. Remember what they accused him of? They accused him of invoking Beelzebub, Satan, to do these things. You see, in the scriptures, read them. Well, they have asked all the right questions with regard to Jesus and his great gifts and his charitable heart. They nevertheless come to an entirely wrong conclusion. They just can't bring themselves, who are so full of self-righteousness and egotism, to believe that in their midst is this great one, this person who only speaks about love and charity and kindness and about the Father's love for people. They can't get behind him. They cannot accept his mission, this man who is one of their own. And there is an awful and abrupt ending to what should have been a joyous homecoming. From the point of view and from the Lord's point of view. And in Mark's gospel, he just simply says, and they took offense at Jesus. And we're told our Lord is amazed at this. And in the Greek, the word amazed has a deeper meaning. It actually implies distress. Our Lord becomes distressed by this because it was a completely unexpected reaction on the part of his own kinfolk. And I prayed and I reflected and I thought, our Lord who is fully human and fully divine, he is walking home. And the hope in his heart is that when he gets there, he will find love and acceptance. But instead he's confronted with hostility they find him to be too much for them. And as a result, their minds were closed against him. Their hearts hardened against him. In this, the people also resent Jesus' family. The very neighbors, the blessed one, Mary. One can only imagine the thoughts Why should that family be so singularly blessed by God in preference to the other families of Nazareth who are of the same faith and have the same station in life too? You see the egotism, the jealousy that fueled it. The people close their hearts to Jesus and his family. No wonder we are told in Mark's gospel he is amazed and distressed by their lack of faith in him. And then we are told that he is able to do no work of any consequence among them. And to use a popular phrase that's thrown around today, Jesus goes home and finds it to be a toxic work environment. In folk now, 
and I will show you in the scriptures how that is so. Through your baptism, Jesus uh, is preaching and he's at a home and the people don't like what he's saying, so they run to get his mother. Go get Jesus' mom and tell him he's crazy. You remember that? I'm, I'm taking some liberties. And then they say, Jesus, your mother is outside. You remember what he said? Who is my mother? And who is my brother? And who is my sister? But the one who does the work of my father. So you are his kinfolk. And what causes you to find Jesus to be too much now? His kinfolk here. Is it the teachings of the church based on what Christ has said and found in the scriptures? Is it too much? You see, my friends, yes, Mother Church has made mistakes. And people will say, Father, you be quiet and stay out of it. No, I will not be quiet. Well, the church has lost its moral compass. The church has not lost its moral compass. Some of its members from the top to bottom have. And what does God do? As what he always done. He raises up great saints to call us back. So what teachings then of the church based on Christ is too much? The church says, do not abuse alcohol and drugs and such things. Is that too much? Immoralities of all kinds that society say, eh, it's okay. Be careful not to get in bed with society so quickly about its ideologies and its thoughts. Is it because of what the church teaches about the sanctity of life, the sacredness of matrimony, and that one must remain faithful and have fidelity to one's spouse? One spouse. You don't get a whole bunch. A man and a woman. Is that too much? Is that too much? What about the sanctity of all life, all of it, in all of its stages? Starting within the womb, that is life, and it must be protected. So yes, abortion is wrong. It goes against the teachings of the sanctity of life. Ah. Oh, Father, but that one. No. I got more. What about our youth? Our youth are to be protected. The, society, the, the rates of suicide amongst our youth is heartbreaking. Our youth must be protected. They must be told about the goodness of this world and the goodness of God and the value of their life. The abuse and exploitation of children and young adults is wicked. And it must end. And it was even more heartbreaking when it was perpetrated by people who claimed to be holy 
that was wicked. Our elders and those who are infirm in their health, they are not to be thrown away. All of life is sacred in all of its stages. So we must do better with how we treat our elderly and those who are sick and those who are walking the journey of terminal illness. So yes, I tell you, physician-assisted suicide is wrong. It is an affront to the sanctity of life. Is that too much now? Is this teaching too much? I have more. Capital punishment. That is an affront to the sanctity of all life. Governments must stop that execution. I was pleasantly surprised to read that there's been a stop to them now, temporarily in our country. All right. Friends, racism. Racism is an affront to everything that Jesus Christ taught. It is an affront to the sanctity of all life. Racism is wicked. And we must do what we can, always, all of us. But I am telling you right now, this critical race theory ideology is not going to work. It didn't in the 70s and in the 80s and in the 90s. It will not. It is deficient and it is skewed. And that is why it will not work. You know what will work? The teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church has social teachings, and when it is employed properly, it can combat all of these things. And Christians must stand up against racism. And I'm speaking to you as a Mexican-American, my parents from Mexico. So yes, they knew racism. It is an affront to Jesus Christ and his teachings and to the sanctity of all life. So before you point your finger, all you talk about, no, I'm not talking about just abortion, I'm talking about the whole spectrum of things. My friends, oftentimes societies will tell you, well, there are separate worlds, one that is secular and one that is religious. That is not true. There is one world, there is one human family, there is one God, and there is one Lord of all. There it is. Is it too much? Yes, I will get emails. And no, I'm not as strong as St. Paul. <laughs> so my feelings will be hurt. But I must speak. So my friends, are these too much for you? You, his kinfolk, do you find him and his teachings to be too much? My friends, whenever we attempt to evaluate or refashion Christ according to our own making, we diminish all the goodness that he came and did and talked about. 
and how much he revealed so much about love and the Father to us. That kind of dismissiveness is a lack of faith in its worst kind, in its worst form. When we believe so blindly in ourselves and in our private created visions, we distance ourselves from our Lord and all the wonderful things he wishes to give. An authentic life of faith, Christian life, begins in suspending all these self-righteous notions, all these false assurances, all these self-ordained standards. It is only in God that God's people find the fullness of grace and love and holiness that enables us to make sense of life in this world with all of its beauty and with all of its challenges. Faith and trust in our Lord blesses us to see how grace and redemption flow out of what the world would consider to be impossibilities. We indeed have a God of surprises, and indeed we have a God that does the unexpected, especially in that he has loved you and I unconditionally. He has redeemed each one of us even when we despised his interactions with us, the human race. And he surprises us with the miracle of the Holy Eucharist, in which his very Son, body, blood, soul, and divinity is given to us so that we can walk in holiness, that we can stand, that we can be united. My friends, regarding the youth, Social media platforms and sites can be wielded for greatness, but it is often wielded to put forth racism and to put forth hate and despises things that are holy. Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Tumblr. Horrible things that people say on there and attack others. But I found a very clever woman. Her name is Alison Bro. She wrote, the greatest man who ever walked the earth had only 12 followers. I'm like, you go, girl. <laughs> and she went on to say, don't judge your impact by your numbers. Now, the older folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, talk to the youth. It's all about followers and being influencers. So my friends, we consider the 12 his friends, and they did not always have Jesus' back. And um, sometimes they refuted what he said and didn't understand. But Jesus did not turn away from them. He believed in them. He saw their potential in all things, and he kept on doing what his father asked him to do. In fact, Jesus, through his 12 apostles, demonstrated what it is to be a friend and what we should expect in friendship and from our friends, and most importantly, how we should treat each other. Now, people only think about the 12, but remember those 12 selected 72, and 
they were sent out to influence towns and villages and spread his message. So when we look at it, Jesus was the original influencer, right? Do you remember on the day, 5,000 people gathered to listen to the teachings of Jesus Christ, Bethsaida. And I'll tell you what they weren't impressed with or wouldn't be, fake images and rhetoric filled with hatred. They came to hear the message of love put forth by our Savior, a fundamental and vital message that struck the hearts of all those who heard him 2,000 years ago. It is something that we still need to hear today. When we think about it, the Heavenly Father sent his Son all those years ago with a method that worked in his time, and it landed him millions of followers. So I reiterate what Alison Brose said. The greatest man who ever walked the earth had only 12 followers originally. So don't judge your impact by your numbers, youth. Go and be great influencers. Influence people and societies to do good and to walk in holiness and to love and to avoid those things that are hateful. The youth have the power of, I don't know how, I can't even get on Twitter. I don't remember what I, remember what I called it last time and told the youth, please twit out all those things. And the youth said, we don't twit, Father. <laughs> we tweet. <laughs> I have no presence on Facebook or TikTok uh, or YouTube. YouTube's interesting. Uh, and you have to be very careful with YouTube because it's very uninteresting thing and continue to influence for the better. And my friends, I am not political when I'm speaking about racism and all these other theories. I, I do not care about Democrat, Republican, Independent. This is about morality. This is about a moral. What's being put forth now is not going to get us where we need to be. But everyone must stand up against racism. Now, my friends, as we continue to move forward out of the pandemic with joy in our hearts, uh, as we celebrate Independence Day of our nation, uh, we ask for independence of all things. Um, and we ask that the independence and freedom be equally distributed amongst all people. And that we, as people, also have the freedom to worship as we please without being impeded by any governments. But as we move forward, the Archbishop, I am obedient to the Archbishop. Because if I am not, Satan knows about it, and he will wreak havoc in my life and in the life of this parish. So I will be obedient to him. We will move forward, and he has asked us to move slowly. So now, uh, face masks are recommended, but not required. Doing. <laughs> <laughs> Our communion line will return to the way it was before the pandemic. Uh, I will be up front, the other minister with me, and the whole church community will walk together now, side by side, move forward. We will always have a socially distanced area. Jesus spoke of love and acceptance and kindness. We do not treat those who have sincere fear. We embrace them and help them. So we will always have a section within the church for now and outside. Uh, for those who will wear their masks and stuff. And that's okay. It's all right. Holy water is back inside the stoops, the fonts, as you call 
uh, the Archbishop said, uh, he said, uh, the congregation may me not sing till August, but it's your decision. My decision is sing today <laughs> because we have to move forward. We're going to be cautious. We will move forward. There'll be other pieces uh, that will come uh, uh, slowly, uh, but um, we will continue moving forward uh, with this. Live streaming, okay. Next week will be the last time that we live stream from this parish. And uh, there will be other sites, uh, you know, the Archbishop has a live stream, uh, but um, it's time for it to end here at the parish. It's time for everyone to return. But uh, the audio will always be available. Not that you want to hear the homily again and again and again, but it's available for those who want. Uh, but at our parish, the live streaming will end. The final live crowd will be next weekend. And uh, I'm at peace with that. I hope everyone else will be at peace with that. Um, and so, my friends, um, as we celebrate our, the nation's independence, uh, we do so with hope and with joy and with peace in our hearts. Amen?